Hello and welcome everyone to the Almost Awesome Podcast, the only podcast that is 15 years in the making. I'm your host, Tanner Rainhurst, and today we're reviewing the long, long, long-awaited Kingdom Hearts 3, the third and technically twelfth entry in this very beloved and confusing series. I bought this game uh, the day it came out, and it took me about a week to finish, but I know plenty of people who were able to beat it in just a few days. It is a little bit shorter than the previous games, with few less worlds and a story structure that feels disjointed at times, in a story that's already confusing to follow. But despite that, the gameplay is so much fun, it more than makes up for this shortcomings the game may have. Now, to understand this series and to really understand this game and what I'm trying to talk about, you almost have to be a fan of it. And that's what's going to put new players who might be interested in playing this game at a disadvantage. Because this game really doesn't stand on its own like the first and second game did. Now, there was the first Kingdom Hearts, which of course sets up a lot of intentional mysteries, and but nothing that took away from understanding the story. Then there was the Chain of Memories game, which was a Game Boy Advance title, which introduced the main bad guys of the series and continues the plot a bit. But you didn't really have to play it in order to understand the second game, because the game actually sets up its own story, so playing the game is more of a bonus to where you can go, oh, okay, I get it, I guess. But then there was the PSP Birth of Sleep, or Birth by Sleep. These titles get so weird, which serves as a very good prequel to the series, while also setting up its own story. Then came the confusingly titled 358 by 2, that's one way of saying that title. It's very confusing, but that was a DS title, which was more of a side story, and it added unnecessary plot points. And then there was the weird cell phone Kingdom Hearts game, Up Distance, for the 3DS, which ultimately is what I think is the problem with this game. And what I mean is that Dream Drop Distance was a sequel to Kingdom Hearts 2, which is what a lot of fans wanted. But after playing this game, I realized that they had already started the story for this game. So anyone who didn't play the 3DS game or just didn't watch the cutscenes on YouTube like I did, because I never got a 3DS, would be completely lost. There isn't much for spoilers here, but fair warning, I will get into that. But... The game kind of progresses in the way that you think, and it mostly consists of characters reuniting after being separated in previous titles. It's like Game of Thrones, except way happier and no rape, which is always good. Other games kind of rely on a kind of three-act story, but where you start at a tutorial world, then you get to explore a few Disney worlds, then you get something to advance the plot, 
then three more worlds, and then so on and so forth. That was always kind of the structure of this game, but or these games in general. But Kingdom Hearts 3 kind of breaks from that a little bit. So the story has always been, you know, there's this big darkness in the world of light. There are these monsters called the Heartless that steal people's hearts. Then there's these other bad guys called Nobodies who don't have hearts, so really they should be called Heartless. And this game just gets really weird, but just hold on for a minute. But the main plot of this story is, of course, Sora, Donald, and Goofy go on a bunch of adventures in order to stop the main bad guy of this series so far, Xehanort, who has had different incarnations in each of the games because he's trying to bring about this big Keyblade War, which will summon the heart of all worlds, Kingdom Hearts. So he needs to assemble seven... Guardians of Light and 13 Guardians of Darkness that all have to have his heart for some reason. Yeah, when I say this plot out loud, it it doesn't really help. But back to the story structure and what is really the weakest point of this game. Or that's actually what's been the weakest part of the games in the past. They actually changed things up for the third one. They actually reveal different plot points on every single world that you visit. So this time around, instead of just dragging the game out for as long as possible, I think that's why people felt it was shorter. And... I mean, the main enemies of this game and the second game are called Organization 13, and in the second game, you only fought seven of them because they were already introduced as bad guys in a spin-off title, which is just confusing. Why would you do that? Why would you not have everything already in the first game or, or self-contained in this one story so everyone can follow along? And that's why I brought up the point about Dream Drop Distance before. Because I believe that they introduced the concept for this game. Because there was such a long delay that I think they half-started the story for this game in Dream Drop Distance. Where they introduced the concept and what the main setting and the threat was going to be. So when you start this game, it starts like right in the middle and you're like, wait, I it doesn't set up anybody's emotional journey. It, it's really just more of a continuation. So it's like, that's why it doesn't s stand alone as its own game, because it's like, you have to watch the beginning of it in previous titles or in weird downloadable content. So that's why the story just doesn't kind of hold up on it. But I'm going to get into why I think it's actually kind of a good thing in a weird way. Now, in this game, like I was saying, there are 13 members of Organization 13, and they actually make each level have a member of the organization be the main antagonist of that level. Which I like, and I was like, why weren't they doing this in the first place? But the negative side of this is that it has been pointed out by Sora at one point in the game, like literally, 
he feels like that this is a really good burn, that these are just rehashed villains from the previous game. And it is. It's all introduced villains from all previous titles that have all gathered together. The final confrontation of this game is one big battle royale where all the good guys of Kingdom Hearts and all the bad guys of Kingdom Hearts are basically fighting off and have to defeat each other in this one big battle, which, when I was playing it, I felt like I was going to be able to play as some different characters against these different bad guys, but it all relies on Sora, you know, the main player character, taking on each one of these bad guys. It's like, they couldn't do that themselves. Like, Riku, Kairi, Sora, Donald, or Donald, Goofy, Mickey... None of them can stand up against any of the other members without Sora's help. And I get it, you're the player character. But there were times in this game where you actually got to play as Riku. And then you got to play as Aqua. Who was another character from Birth by Sleep. As one of the playable characters. And I thought that was really cool that we were able to play as these characters at certain points in the game. But then... Even though you get to play as them, story-wise, they all kind of fail to do what they were meant to do and just wait for Sora to come in and save them. So basically waiting for you, the player, to come in. And that's what kind of destroys a little bit of the agency that all these characters have. They're all reliant on the main character. And you have such a wonderful cast full of potential, and it kind of falls apart. I mean, I know it's a kid's game, but you, but this is also a series that shows you all these other different movies from all these different creative minds, like Pixar and all the Disney movies, where there are heroes of all different kinds. So I actually wanted to play as more of these characters. There's a certain point in the game where everybody dies <laughs> at the end, near the end of the game. And then Sora has to find each of their hearts in order to revive them. And you end up going to each of the different worlds in order to retrieve their hearts. And so, of course, it's Sora who has to go and do this. But just like how there were times you could play as... There was a time you could play as Riku in the game. And then there's another time where you can play as Aqua in the game. Because both of them have been playable characters in the past. You know, Riku was a big playable character in Chain of Memories and Dream Drop Distance. Aqua was one of the main playable characters in Birth by Sleep. And also, she was part of that downloadable content thing, 2.8, that they did. But my point is that they were both playable characters in the past. And it was like, cool, you get to play them in a main title. Now... This part in the game, I thought, where everyone loses their heart, I thought it would have been really good if you had gotten to play as Kairi, because she did nothing in this game. She's, like, training. She's being trained by Merlin the Wizard to be a Keyblade Master. So you think, oh, sweet, like, you saw in the second game... She actively, she's not the damsel in the distress like she was in the first game. She actively goes to look for her friends 
and ends up like saving herself and she gets her own keyblade and you were like sweet like she's like actually fighting and kicking ass so i thought in this game like oh she would be another character and she would fight alongside them that should have been there should have been two different parties there should have been sora donald and goofy in one adventure and then there should have been riku mickey and kairi doing other adventures you know what i mean like it would have been great if we could play as these three central characters and i know they wanted to focus in on sora because he's the one that you level up throughout the game but it's not like they weren't capable of playing as multiple characters throughout but i think they could have you know had you play as kairi during this part of the game so she could have at least done something so I thought it was a little bit disappointing. But back to this battle royale thing. The whole final confrontation does feel like it's the equivalent of a seven-year-old coming up with an excuse to bang their action figures together. So it is a little bare bones and it's really hard to get into without already being a fan of this game. Like, you have to be like me, and this game has to have caught you at just the right time, at just the right point in your childhood. And you really have had to have been a fan of it all this time, because it really isn't that friendly to new players, even though this is a story kind of meant for kids or a fans of all ages. So that's what's kind of the difficult thing. But... There is a silver lining here, and I'm going to get into that. But first, let's talk about the gameplay, which I will always say is more important than story in a video game. And it is a whole lot of fun. I was not bored at any point in this game. The, con the combat system is expanded on what I liked about the second one, where you're able to do special moves depending on who you were fighting and at what point in the battle you were at. You are able to perform special moves with both Donald and Goofy at certain points in a fight, and it will nearly happen in every fight, and you can unlock other moves and other skills later. There's also the added attraction attacks, where you're able to hit a certain highlighted enemy at the right time, and you can summon a Disneyland ride for Sora and the gang to ride on and have fun while they're mowing down enemies, which is a little bit sadistic, but whatever. The different Keyblades that you are able to get throughout the game are able to transform into different weapons, which handle very differently, and you're able to rack up enough combos, and each one has very different powers. And since you're able to switch between Keyblades key during a fight, you can experiment with each one, and it would behoove you to do that, because then, when you're dealing with either a lot of enemies or just a really strong one, it can help you knock out their major HP points. The game allows you to do simple things like dodge, block, and counter, and do aerial moves almost immediately at the beginning of the game, and you can get upgrades for these moves and assign by assigning more AP points to them. Which, you would think, in the last 50 games, they would have let you do that in the 15 years we were waiting for this game! Breathe. Breathe. 
but you'd be an idiot to think of that. Come on, keep up. While you can use simple attacks and rack up points that have different rates of attacking your enemy, and, and it can help you change strategies depending on who you're fighting, it's easy to get lost in all those special moves that the game makes so easy for you to do. You forget that you're using simple magic spells, like in previous games, in which actually come in handy at some points, but... I did forget them from time to time, so I had to have these simple moves assigned to myself. So it is kind of great if you're a button masher like me, but I did only beat the game on easy mode, so maybe I have to try it on a different difficulty. And that's one other problem. This game would really benefit from a new game plus mode, and we might get that you know, down the line as downloadable content or even allow you to replay a higher difficulty with everything that you've earned. But once you've completed the game, you have earned mostly everything besides probably hidden Mickeys, which are a nice nod to Disneyland actual secret Mickeys. If you want the super secret ending, which is at the end of every major Kingdom Hearts game, that always makes a whole lot of sense. Of course, the main attraction of every Kingdom Hearts game is the fact that you get to explore your favorite Disney worlds. While everyone thought or jokingly suggested that since Disney owns Marvel now, we would be getting to play with all the Marvel superheroes in some form or another. But we didn't get that, and I'm kind of glad they didn't do that, because the Disney stuff is a lot more imaginative and fun to explore, than seeing Donald Duck and Goofy talk to Rocket Raccoon and Groot, and now that I've said that out loud, I do, I do really want that. Most of the worlds are actually mostly Pixar films, which haven't really been explored in the last few movies, like Toy Story and Monsters, Inc., which are their own stories, which actually serve as kind of sequels to their movie counterparts, which... I thought it was actually really fun exploring the Monsters, Inc. world where they're using laughter to power their city. But Organization uses Venetus, which is an evil version of Ventus, who's in Sora's heart, but Venetus looks like Sora, and he's being he's a being of negativity, which sounds dumb, and that's because it is dumb, but actually is a nice fit in this level, because... Now that the monsters are focusing on positive emotions, and it turns into this cool yet a little bit corny debate on what is more powerful. The Toy Story level started weird because there was this big trailer for a Final Fantasy looking game, which turns out to be an in-universe game as kind of a spoof on Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts. But many people noticed similarities between this in-universe game and Final Fantasy XV, which the director, Nomura, was the director of back at the time when it was a different game, and it made me wonder if this game was more what he had in mind for XV, because the game's secret ending, we see Sora, whose fate is left unknown because he goes looking for Kairi's heart because she died in the game, and he uses the power of waking, which I was very confused on, you know, what that does. 
and also why he shouldn't be using it all the time, which is another example of like, oh, I had to do homework and play a different game. Now, we also see Riku waking up in the same place that Sora does, just in a different area, and this area kind of looks like a modern-day Japan, with the main character of the fake game looking down at them. Now, it was really fun to play with Woody and Buzz and Rex and Ham, but they made this weird in-universe reason as to why there was no real people and only half the cast because the world got split into two somehow. Which I didn't really get, and even after you beat the bad guy, they didn't really get that resolved, but it was fun seeing Woody tell an anime villain off. The other worlds you get to explore are from Hercules, the Tangled movie, Pirates of the Caribbean, with someone else who isn't a wife-beater and general piece of shit playing the role of Jack Sparrow. They even got Frozen in there, and I was surprised to see that they were able to get most of the cast from both Tangled and Frozen to reprise their roles. These worlds are basically a retelling of the original stories, with Sora and the gang just photocopied in there, and they are treated as more side characters that don't really have a lot to do with the main story, which I actually like better than them being the thing that helps save the day, because that just really ruins the, like I said, the agency of the original characters in their own movie. But they couldn't help themselves with shoehorning in Let It Go, even though it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the game, but I like that song, so I didn't mind. <laughs> My favorite world to explore was actually the Big Hero 6 world, because not only does it treat it, treat it like a continuation of the first film, but they also bring back the first Bamax from the movie as a corrupted boss for the heroes to fight, which I was like, whoa, that's kind of hardcore for the character of Hero to have to stop. You know, stopping the thing that is like a surrogate brother to him. Even though he has this new Bamax, they really focus on how the experiences he had still matter in a way that is kind of uniquely Kingdom Hearts. So in conclusion, this game is a little bit messy and really convoluted at times, and as far as the story goes. But the gameplay makes up for all of that to go through. Plus, even though it cashes in on the nostalgic feeling, it's still great to experience. I also noticed something special about this game. 2 came out nearly 15 years ago, and since then we've had a bunch of spin-offs and remastered versions of the games come out. Kingdom Hearts likes to set up these little mysteries for the player to try and speculate about, and then get them ready for the next game. 2 set up some stuff for the prequel game, Birth by Sleep, and this one alluded to mysteries set up in the Kingdom Hearts key app-based games that I wasn't aware that people played, but apparently people did play because there is a nice nod to the people that did play in those games because they there's actually an attack where you're able to attack this horde of Heartless with a bunch of Keyblades and they actually name all the attacks, all these different usernames of people who were in the game. Which I thought that was a really nice way to nod to players who were playing that. 
But that story also serves as prequels. And this game also finishes up this actual saga while alluding to a new one. The reason for this delay was because the game's director was working on Final Fantasy Versus 13, which was supposed to be part of this shared miso, mythos thing that they had going on with Final Fantasy 13. But because Square lost their minds and kept making sequels to a game nobody liked, they rebranded Versus 13 and decided to make it 15. But they had to adapt to a new console generation, and at the same time, well, at the time, the new Unreal 4 engine, which caused a lot more delays, which is eventually what led Nomura to leave 15 so he can focus on Kingdom Hearts, which is really his story. This might be why we saw this weird in-universe game called Vernon Rex, the parody Final Fantasy game, because it might be what Nomura wanted to do with the series in the first place. It might also be why we didn't see any Final Fantasy characters in this game, because he might be focusing on non-Square Enix stuff, because he might be kind of sick of it, but that's only my speculation. But the main thing I realized about this game is that it's more of an accomplishment for developers and the players. We have been given tidbits and prequels and in-betweequels and adding new levels of information to this universe and this game was the accumulation of all that as well as being end to this saga it's a nostalgic trip trip for sure but it felt like more of a reward to the players who have remained fans over the years waiting and remembering moments and characters finally being reunited after so long after Honestly, an awesome battle royale, and an ending fight that is very fitting for the game. It's a series that you just needed to get into at just the right time, and just like Disney's own movies, you're filled with this magic and warm feelings in your heart that make you feel like a kid again. This is a game for fans, plain and simple and clean. Eh, get it? Get. I mean, if you're a fan, you, you get that joke, I hope. Uh, but if you are at all interested, I would actually pick up these remastered versions since they include most of the games. But each one of their these games have such an interesting history in gaming that it really deserves you giving it, it your full attention if you're at all interested. You can even look up the history of the developments on YouTube or something like that, so you can really understand what the fans felt like and famously dislike about the series, yet are always willing to come back for more. Just like any other Disney thing, it's magical in its own way, and it made it very rewarding to play. So, I want to thank you guys for tuning in this time. I'm trying to get on a stricter schedule to get these podcasts out and get some more reviews and to get more content to you. I'm going to be starting some other things really soon and I'm going to be getting on this very consistent schedule because I want to entertain people, I want to talk to people, and I really do appreciate if you took the time to 
come and hear me Babylon. I'm going to be making these a lot better because I want you to be informed of my opinion, which I believe is uh, not that important. In fact, it's almost awesome. <laughs> no, no, okay, I, I heard the groans and the sighs already. Well, that's about time to wrap it up, I guess. So, thank you all for tuning in, and I will see you next time.